Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, welcome in to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan. Over there is Matt, and this is episode 604 of the show. We have a conversation about consensus dynasty wide receiver rankings, talking about our top 12 wideouts. Uh, going into this off season, we got a fun startup to get to here in a minute as well. Uh, and then we're going to continue our rookie report series for 2024 rookies. This class is loaded at some spots uh, and we're going to get to some fun names on this list this week. But first, let's bring in the guys, fellas, uh, championship weekend. Lots of people say best weekend of football, all that stuff. Sunday was fun, Matt. I I enjoyed the games. I enjoyed them. I think I liked last week in the divisional round a little bit better, you know, a little bit the excitement of the the Lions advancing, the excitement of Lamar advancing. And then those are the, I mean, honestly, those are the two teams I wanted to see play in the Super Bowl and they both lost. So, you know, it wasn't a, a super exciting weekend for me from that standpoint, but it, they were good games mostly. Yeah, they were pretty good games. What do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about the going for it on fourth down for Detroit? I, I didn't mind it. I mean, they did, they did it all season long. This is the, this is yeah. their, who they are. Like the, the, all of the complaining about it. Like, I don't know. He's, he's never been a team. He's never been a coach or a team to kind of uh, play conservatively. So yeah. I, I didn't mind it at all. How about you, Ryan? You, you, you had to kick the field goal at one of those, right? <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with Matt. I, it, that's, that has been their identity. It's worked so many times this season. Uh, and even last season, as they started heating up late in the year, um, clearly did not work this time. So it's it's easy to second guess, especially when they were uh, they were still down three at uh, I guess that was early in the fourth quarter, maybe uh, maybe even late in the third. I can't remember the timing on that, but um, yeah, easy to second guess. But it, it felt like the right decision in the moment, and honestly, I didn't even feel like it was a decision. I thought, I mean, as soon as they came up short on third. I, I thought they were going for it. I I, I didn't even mm-hmm. doubt that. I I I'm thought a, for half the complete I opposite. For... I would have kicked all three field goals, all three of them, including the one down by ten with like a minute and a half left at the three when they got stuffed on the run. I would have sprinted the field goal unit on, kicked it, and then kicked the extra point or kicked the kicked the onside kick and had all three timeouts. That timeout was awful. Very very bad. I I, I did the think that that. That timeout was well, the, awful. The run, um, the, the run play was rough. The, that the was last, rough. The, that that last play, I did feel that I feel like it was rushed. That that where Goff was on the run and just kind of airmailed it in the middle mm-hmm. of like four players. Like it felt kind of rushed. Like they could have slowed down a little bit there. And I think the argument for the field goal in that situation would have been to calm everything down, reset, and then make them go the whole field. But. Like, like we talked about, man, that's the, that's the lines. That's Campbell. That's yeah. That's their identity. I get that. You know, I'm happy for lions fans though. They're all still rejoicing even after a loss. That's, that feels great. You know, I know they were so close and all those things, but the truth is they haven't, they haven't tasted this in so long that I'm happy for those guys and, and gals out there that have rooted for the lions through all those rough seasons and hope, Hope they make it even farther next time, as long as it's not against my Packers. Uh, as far as the AFC side, the Ravens, I mean, there's talk about a reset now. They're, fans are freaking out about Lamar and, and the front office, the coaching staff, all these things because of another playoff exit. Um, we love Lamar in the fantasy space because he scores us all these points, Ryan. But it feels a little overreactionary that everybody's getting all up in arms about Lamar not being able to win the big one in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is just what we do as fans, as, as fantasy players, right. We have to react, especially in these big spots. I did hear uh, on a podcast today and I can't even remember which one it was honestly, but um, somebody comparing this situation to, the NBA in the, in the nineties and, you know, naming off great players, Charles Barkley and and so many others that, that never won the title because Jordan just kept winning them all right. Jordan. And, mm-hmm. you know, in this scenario, Mahomes and the chiefs are Jordan and the bulls. And it's just so hard to beat uh, that, that team that is, 
you know, essentially the current dynasty that we have going. Um, there's there's going to be uh, there's going to be more quarterbacks that uh, aren't able to overcome this. So I I don't think it's an indictment on Lamar. I don't think it's an indictment on John Harbaugh, uh, but it's it's certainly frustrating for those Ravens fans. I they hurt themselves. They hurt themselves yep. with all those penalties, the stupid penalties, the Zay Flowers one down at the end, the uh, uh, the oh, I forget the the um, the other one that was like whatever it was, the rough hit or whatever it was for no reason. Like they hurt themselves. They shot themselves in the foot. They had a chance to win almost up until the very end of the game. Yeah, the Zay Flowers thing that it just made me think about all the young players on these teams that we expect to go far and make make big impacts. And at some point, young players make silly mistakes. And we it's yep. it's come up a few times in these po- this postseason. We saw it with Jordan Love late in that uh, Packers uh, 49ers game. Zay Flowers, of course, the fumble was another thing, stretching the ball out. And that can happen to anybody. But young players tend to make those types of mistakes. Young quarterbacks make those throws over the middle that get intercepted and cost you games. And those are the types of things that, uh, for some reason, it hasn't caught up to Patrick Mahomes. And and maybe that part of that is that they have so many veterans on that team and they don't count on their rookies outside of maybe Rashi Rice to to make big plays for them. I mean, it Uh, it does seem... Sorry, it did seem, and and this is the frustrating part. I think if you're you were cheering for the Ravens, all the pregame stuff, you know, the messing with Justin Tucker, and I mean that was yeah. just kind of, you know, you just kind of roll your eyes like that's just childish stuff. Mm-hmm. But then it led to the pushing and shoving pregame, and ultimately, I think they kind of got in the Ravens' head a little bit, and that's where the taunting stuff came from. That's where some of those dumb penalties came from, and. Uh, I mean, you don't expect a team like the Ravens, which has really been the, the best team all season, or at least uh, at least in the conversation, to kind of fall for that type of stuff. But they fell right into that trap. It certainly seemed that way. We got a good show for you today, so let's get right to it. The Startup. Yeah, the startup this week is going to go to one of those losing teams in over championship weekend. It is the Lions. They they're young, budding star potentially wide receiver Jamison Williams had a had a really mini breakout. I would say the two touchdowns are great, but just two catches for twenty five yards had that explosive rushing touchdown, a long target downfield late in that game that. It seemed a little awkward that he couldn't get his hands on that football, even though he had the step. Um, just three targets for JMO in the game, Matt. And at this point, we've we've seen now two seasons of Jamison Williams in Detroit with this often offense. But it really feels like what's it been a three quarters of a season? The, all the injured missed yeah. games from injury in his rookie season, and then having the suspension, which of course got reduced, and and he he's been on the field ever since that. But he hasn't fully acquainted himself to this offense or certainly to dynasty players. And now we've seen this on the big stage with the, with the touchdown. That was a nice grab in the back of the end zone, awkward landing, and he held onto the football. And then the explosive run, it does feel, Matt, like, like maybe he's certainly on the field more. Maybe he'll turn a corner going into year three. We don't typically see the year three breakout anymore. Now, now usually it's year one or year two from wide receivers. Could he be turning the page back to the nineties and two thousands when it was the, the year three breakout for wideouts? I think it's still possible. You know, some of those like bad vibes or whatever off of them that we had earlier this season and last off season. Um, but, you know, I think we talked about this when we were doing the prospect write-ups of him once he landed in Detroit. It was like, what, like, golf, golf strength is not the deep ball. And that's what Jamison Williams, that was, uh, his, that's what his, that's his bread and butter, you know? It was really nice to see them get incorporated on that rush that turned into the touchdown. So if they can be more creative with the way they're using him or, you know, maybe just get use him more. And, 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 like, it's almost in some games, it seems like they're using him like the Steelers were using George Pickens, just run down the field. You know, and and he's if, if him and Goff are not connecting in that way, then there's not going to be a lot of targets for him, and that's what we've seen in the playoffs so far and at the end of the season here. So, 
those two need to get on the same page. I don't really know what the answer is between uh, for that. Maybe another full off season of work will help with that kind of chemistry. But when you have reliable targets that are going to catch everything, like Amon Ross St. Brown and, and, and Sam Laporta and now Gibbs out of the backfield, like he, it just seems like he's going to be fourth fiddle in that offense. And he's going to be used as that deep clear out guy uh, until he proves he can play a different role or until the coaching staff chooses to use him in a different role. Ryan, the, the youth, and the fact that he's in this offense is keeping him on the wide receiver three fringe, at least according to ADP currently wide receiver 38, 71 overall. How do you feel about that ADP? Does he, does he fit in right there? Is that a pick you're willing to make? Absolutely not. If I've got yeah. Jamison Williams on my roster today, I am celebrating that uh, mini breakout, as you called it. It was, it was the best thing that Williams managers could ask for heading into the off season, because this is going to open up some type of trade window. It is going to uh, maybe only slightly, but it is going to increase his, his uh, dynasty value. And I would 100% be taking advantage of that. Same thing. Matt said best case situation or scenario, he's going to be the uh, third or fourth option in that offense. I don't think that's going to change. He's never going to be a high volume type player that's just not his game even uh even if everything is going right and you know this is a lions team that's probably going to lose their mastermind you know ben johnson is probably going to get the washington job or the seattle job whatever whatever really wherever he wants to go he's going to be able to name his price and i mean these are still good players i'm still excited about a lot of these guys but that's that's another small strike against uh, Jamison Williams. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, a lot of us were hoping that he would incorporate some of that short to intermediate work into his game. But with those other weapons that you mentioned there, Matt, there just isn't room for that. You're not going to see Jamison Williams run that dig when you have Amon Ross St. Brown on the, on the, on the inside uh, creating space for himself, like he does. And you're not going to see him on that cross when they'd rather honestly Give it to Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield on those types yeah. of short throws. So he's he's stuck in this role. So if you do, if you are holding Jamison Williams right now, Matt, and you're looking at the trade market, what's the best you can do? You, you're not doing more than like a second and a little something more than that, right? I think that's it. I don't think you're getting a first at this point, uh, even a, the 112. Like if you can get that, absolutely no smash it. But I just don't think that that's that's possible, you know. Um, if you can get the 203, you smash it. You know, if you're if you're getting a high to mid second, it feels like the the best you're going to get. Maybe you can get a sweetener on top, but that's going to be as good as it gets even coming off of this game. Ryan, if you're out there looking to move him, what's the best you're going to you're going to be able to get? Yeah, I don't think you can get a lot more than that. Uh, I did check the trade finder. These are all deals that happened before the game on Sunday. Uh, Williams and a second for James Cook. Uh, I'm not super excited about that one. Uh, Williams for a second and third. Multiple trades of Williams for a second. And uh, my favorite among these is uh, Williams and Khalil Herbert for T. Higgins. That's easily the the best deal here and uh you know maybe that type of move uh williams plus another piece maybe a draft pick could get you a tier up in uh in the wide receiver market i really like higgins as a buy low whether he stays with cincinnati or uh goes elsewhere so that's that's the one that's the type of move i would be targeting i don't i'm not really excited about just flipping him for a second i would try to I don't know if that's, if that's the only option draft pick wise, I would uh, try to get more creative than that. Yeah. I'm, I'm more like what you said there, add something to it to get to the, one of those young receivers, a tear up from yep. them, the, the Rashi rice and Jaden reads of the world. Maybe, maybe you have to add something pretty nice to that um, to, to get that high even. So that that's the type of move that I'd be more, most willing to, to make or try to make at this point. We're going to talk about some high-end wide receivers in our Dynasty Rankings segment. Dynasty Rankings. So last week we talked about top 12 running backs, and this week we thought we'd talk a little bit about the wide receiver position. It starts at, at the top, guys, and we, we've talked about it a few times over the last month, especially with CeeDee Lamb's emergence into that top tier. 
the top tier seems to be solid. It's in whatever order you want to say, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then C.D. Lamb. Do either one of you have a problem with with lumping those three together in the same tier and moving on? No. It's pretty pretty clear to me. Yep, I totally agree. CD's breakout was impressive, right? And yeah. You know, there's probably some out there saying, "Wait a minute. Uh hold up here. CD put up all those numbers. Jamar Chase had his struggles, no doubt. Justin Jefferson had injuries and, and wasn't quite the same guy when he did get back on the field. Um, are we just using those as excuses for Jefferson and, and Chase as reasons to lump them in the same tier rather than just saying, hey, C.D. Lamb in this offense should be the wide receiver one? Is there a case to be made there, Ryan, that, that Lamb should be atop this tier? I think there's a case, sure. Um it, it's tough from a value standpoint because there was such a gap coming into the year and as, as great as lamb was and uh, you know, Jefferson specifically missed so much time with injury. The, the margin there certainly narrowed and narrowed quite a bit. Uh, But to move all the way up above chase and Jefferson uh, he's not there yet for me, but I mean, even looking at our, our mock drafts that we uh, did, last month or earlier this month, I guess, uh, he was not only the wide receiver one, he was the 101 in uh, in a couple of those mocks. Yeah, and it, that makes sense. And some might say recency bias probably push him that direction. But the truth is, Lamb was dominant and he was carrying dynasty managers to, to titles, which at that age is exactly what you want in a elite option at the position. Matt, if you had to go with the next few guys on your list at wide receiver after chase Jefferson and lamb, who would you put in that next tier? I got, I got a, I got five guys here and I think you could probably make it smaller than that, but I feel co- pretty comfortable with these five. I'm on Ross St. Brown, AJ Brown, Puka Nakua, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson make up that next tier for me. Um, you know, I think you could probably argue that, maybe the first three are a little bit ahead just based on what they did this season. And of course, AJ Brown's history and Amon and Ross ain't Brown just dominating, just so consistent. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I'm really like, if I was to move from Wilson or Olave to St. Brown or even AJ Brown, I don't know that I'd give a significant piece for either of those. So I kind of wrap those all in that second tier. I guess the only thing that you said there that grabs my attention is that Wilson could potentially be in a tier below. I actually, I, I lump him right in there with AJ Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown and yeah. really do feel like the quarterback's position is what, what kept him down this season. I don't, I don't think that opened a big buying window for Garrett Wilson. I don't think managers out there are banging the table to try to move him and certainly not giving any type of discount. It's rare probably to see him outside of the top seven or eight receivers in dynasty rankings right now. Um, so I, I agree with the names that you put in there for sure. I have, I have ARSB, Garrett Wilson, AJ Brown, Puka, and Chris Olave as my next guys. I do think there might be a line though, after AJ Brown there, Puka Nakua, his magical season, that's great. And Chris Olave, there might be a small tier gap between the, the first three names and those two younger players for me, but certainly agree that those are the five guys. Ryan, would you disagree with any of that? Just slightly. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit worried about valuing Chris Olave this highly. Uh, I do have him, I think, just uh, a spot or two below where you guys uh, have him. So maybe maybe it's nitpicking here a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it feels like the past couple of years we've seen a steady decline in Jalen Waddle's value. And I think Chris Olave might be following that same path. Certainly a very good receiver. Uh but hasn't hasn't really played at that elite level. So I've got St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Puka, A.J. Brown, and then I've actually got a incoming rookie Marvin Harrison next on the list above Olave and, and everyone else. Before we move on to Harrison, um, which is a fun topic in itself, I, I do want to say that with Olave and what you said there, he does he's very inconsistent, right? And I think some of that inconsistency – is directly correlated to injury. It feels like that guy comes off the field almost as much as Jalen Waddle does with an injury. Mm-hmm. Limps off, ends up on the sideline, in the tent, goes back to the locker room, comes back in the game, 
oh, what do you know? He's he's hurt again after another 25-yard catch. And Olave, while maybe not, not as serious as Jalen Waddles, if you're a dynasty manager and you're you're banking on these types of players, it gets ultra frustrating to see them constantly go off the field. Um I I I've been a fan of both of them for a long time. And I, I see a tear break between Olave and and uh that next group. And that includes the Brandon Ayukes and Devontae Smiths and all those other guys and Jalen Waddle for me, because while while Olave's injuries and his inconsistencies are a little bit maddening, he had he had games where he caught one pass this year, one or two passes. Um, it, he also has those eight and nine catch games and goes over 100 yards and multi-touchdown upside that makes you feel like he could – there might even be another step up for Olave if he gets a quarterback or, God forbid, a coach upgrade. Well, the, yeah, the Saints' entire offense was was inconsistent this year, and awful you know, playing really. playing the games, the the Taysom Hill games, where you never knew what to expect, and then the next right. game he's a non-factor, and and that's when Olave gets eight catches. It's it, it's it's a tough offense to to count on right now. I I I just think I disagree with you guys. I mean he. I think the the in, like coming in and out of games certainly affects him. I mean, you can look at it. He started as, as a rookie. He started uh, nine games and played in fifteen. This season, he he played in eleven. Or excuse me, he played in sixteen, but only started eleven of those. So in and out of the lineup there. But he did increase his targets, his receptions, his yards, his touchdowns, his catching efficiency, his yards per game, like across the board, except for yards per reception, which dipped slightly by about a yard and a half, like every other metric, he increased his statistics from, from last season. So, um, I mean, the, the quarterback I do think is an issue, but I don't know. I think we're being a little hard on the guy Two 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 seasons of a thousand, 1042 yards last year, 1100 yards this year, the touchdowns we'd like to see to come up, but otherwise, like, I feel like he's been a pretty fantastic player. Only four wide receiver one finishes this past season. And his best finish was wide receiver nine. So all four of those were, were right yeah, in didn't the, hit the double highest, digit range. Um, also, you know, even after that, wide receiver two finishes, just a couple of those as well. A wide receiver 16 in week three, 18, 24, uh, 19, 16. So six more or five more uh, wide receiver two finishes. Sprinkle in those wide receiver 66 and wide receiver 118 finishes, and that inconsistency gets frustrating for all of us. That's why I have Alave down at eight. Um, I know you only have him at seven, Matt. I'm a Alave guy. I really do think that offense is not is not tailor-made for Chris Olave to be his the best version of himself, and a coaching change would help him dramatically. I guess we're not gonna get that this year. <laughs> After that. We get into that next tier of guys, and Ryan, you you alluded to it. Marvin Harrison Jr., the Ohio State Buckeye, who is known in Dynasty and, and certainly in draft Nick uh, communities as the next big thing, right? He's expected to be a top five NFL draft pick, expected to be a top maybe one uh, rookie pick in our Dynasty rookie drafts as well, depending on if you play in Superflex or not. You have him right up there at eight. I actually slotted him at nine, right below Chris Olave. And the reason I did that was because I tried to find the spot where I would trade for the draft pick to pick Marvin Harrison Jr. And I I know I would trade away Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, and Devontae Smith. I'm not 100% convinced I'd do it for Olave today without knowing where Marvin Harrison goes and if he gets the draft capital that we expect. Well, at this point, I'm, I mean, I'm not doubting the draft capital I'm viewing him. And it seems like a lot of people are viewing him as a sure thing. Looks Mm -hmm. like maybe he goes as late as four uh, overall, which I believe is, uh, is Arizona right now. So um, really to me, he's, he's kind of a foolproof prospect and I know we'll, we'll get to him uh, in the, in the next couple of weeks in the rookie report. Uh, there's it's it's just almost all positive when it comes to Marvin Harrison. You if, if you go back to kind of the beginning of this past season, he was being referred to as the dynasty wide receiver three at that point. That was before that that big CD Lamb breakout. So 
I, I think a lot of dynasty managers are going to be valuing him even higher than this seven or eight range. Uh, I came close to putting him above AJ Brown. Couldn't, couldn't quite pull the trigger on that, but um, I would not be surprised if people are ranking or valuing Harrison over guys like Garrett Wilson or Puka or St. Brown. Mm. You know, hoping Marvin Harrison has the same kind of rookie season Puka Nakua just had seems seems like you're shooting for the moon and yeah. you can just have him Puka. so uh after after these guys it, in this next tier Matt you you have to get to all these other young wide receivers that have had at least semi breakouts who are the guys for you that round out the top 12 yeah, I put Marvin Harrison at twelve, and as you listeners know, I don't do a I, I don't do a ton of work on the rookies before before now, basically. So still working through that. I haven't done a dive, deep dive on him, but I put him at twelve, just ahead of MIF Waddle, Devonte Smith, and Jordan Addison. Um, you know, the those are the, the three kind of I don't know what you want to call them the wide receiver twos on their teams. A little bit of off star. You guys mentioned Waddle has lost value. Um, but I think he's looked just as good as he did his rookie season. You know, we saw it. We've, we've seen the speed element now. We just got Tyreek Hill there. And Tyreek says he's going to play, I think, one more season at this point. I think he said two seasons at the, at the beginning of this season. So maybe we see Tyreek leave after next year. And then it's the Waddle show. You know, we're going to have a contract situation to deal with, I'm sure, um, at that point. But um, outside of that, like, it seems like wheels up for him after Tyreek is gone. And, you know, he had the injuries concerns this season like you said on and off the field so hopefully that played into some of his diminished production this year and then Devonte smith i mean if it's not aj bound producing usually it's Devonte smith but the eagles just had such a terrible final like six seven games of the season that the entire offense kind of st- suffered and i think smith was right along with them there there were games that, towards the end of the season where smith was the the primary target um, over AJ Brown and you know AJ Brown had some things to say about that but I think Smith is you know I don't want to say he's just as good as AJ Brown but he's not far off of that so I put him there Addison had an incredible season of course but now we have quarterback concerns so I might be a little bit high on Addison there but I feel pretty strongly um, keeping Waddle and Smith as wide receiver ones uh, in terms of dynasty ADP and rankings right now. Meanwhile, Ryan, I, I mentioned it. We actually have the same three guys down here. It's Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, and Devontae Smith. I, I agree with what Matt just said about Smith. And I was, I was, I didn't feel great about having him as a wide receiver one at this point after that tough stretch to the finish the season. Brandon Ayuk, on the other hand, I love him in this range. That yeah. it's, it still feels like a guy that I want to push higher, but Tyreek's flirting with 2,000 yards this past season. No no reason to think he couldn't do the same thing next year. I just couldn't push Ayuk any higher. Yeah. We've talked about it before. I mean, Tyreek Hill kind of the Christian McCaffrey of the receivers at this point. I mean, we know the age, we know, we know the concerns that would typically be red flags or, or issues for dynasty managers. And when it comes to Tyreek Hill, when it comes to McCaffrey at the running back position, you just ignore that and enjoy the production as long as we have it. So that that's our conversation about the top 12 wide receivers. We'll dig a little bit deeper into the position in the coming weeks as well, but we got to get to our rookie report. It's tough to keep your New Year's resolutions, whether we're talking about Dynasty, you know, we've all got so many leagues already. Are we really going to join another startup? Can we have the amount of time to take on another league? Uh, I'm going to make more trades and be more active this season. You know, we got we got a lot of things going on as a Dynasty manager. And uh, Factor is here to help you with some of your New Year's resolutions. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kick your, start your resolutions. So how do you get started over at Factor? You go to factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 and use code mostaccurate50 to get 50% off. That's code mostaccurate50 at factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 to get 50% off today. It's time for the Rookie Report. 
All right, now we're digging deep, guys. We're, we're getting into some names that are going to be some fun conversations, I think. And let's start at the quarterback position this week, Ryan, with Jaden Daniels, the, the LSU product, I guess, although he, he made multiple stops, right? Uh, had a breakout season this past year, was amazing. His stats speak for themselves. If you watched him at all, certainly looks like an NFL prospect. When you see Jaden Daniels' names on on mock drafts or in dynasty rankings, what comes to mind for you? What's the what's the thing you think about uh, as far as your dynasty philosophy when it comes with, to Jaden Daniels? Well, I mean, the climb in in projected uh, draft position or draft capital has been has been so impressive. I mean, even mm-hmm. even. Um, Mid-year, you see some of those early mock drafts that are are released. He's not showing up in round one. Um, if you get one that goes, if you find one that went deeper, you know maybe he's a day three prospect. Or I'm sorry, a, a round three prospect. Lots of lots of questions, and I mean he just continued to answer those questions and and show off. Uh, I, I think better than expected um, accuracy and arm talent. And now you know if you if you are one of those folks that are just catching up. It looks like we're penciling in Jaden Daniels as the third overall pick in the NFL draft. And that uh, that's starting to feel like a safer and safer bet as as the days and weeks go by here, which, again, if you if you kind of followed his game through college is is just a shocking result. But uh, definitely a fun player to watch. I kind of have compared him uh, from from a value standpoint to Anthony Richardson. Uh, you know, another guy that, uh, even, even during the season last year, uh, there were, there were doubts about where he might go in the NFL draft. And of course he ends up being a, a pretty high draft pick and, and Daniels is going to do the same thing. Yeah. I was going to set it off with the same kind of setup that there's, there's fans of teams that are in the nine, 10, 11, 12 range that before the college football playoffs were thinking to themselves, we could get Jaden Daniels. And that's a, that's long gone at this point. He's a top five pick. He's going to impress at the combine. Right. And, and at his pro yeah. day, the thing that I love most about Jaden Daniels, Matt, and you can tell me if you agree with this is how he uses his ability to run the football, to set up making throws down the field. He likes to press the line of scrimmage with his running and then a lot, kind of like Lamar Jackson has over the last year and a half, back off the line of scrimmage and then make a throw. Almost get those linebackers to commit, make a throw over the top of them. And that's something that we hadn't seen before from him. And I didn't know if he'd ever have that unlocked. He's a bigger prospect than I think a lot of people give him credit for. He's listed at six, almost 6'4 six, and just over 200 pounds. He's going to be a tough guy to take down, a lot like what Ryan said about Richardson. He's He's a fun prospect to watch and certainly a guy that we got to keep our eye on uh, throughout this draft process. Well, I, I have so many positive things to say about Jaden Daniels as he's the, he's exactly my type of player, but I do think we need to lock down this weight because I've seen reports everywhere from 185 to 210. And if he's 185, then we're going to get that's into these conversations. Like it's a lot different. Like that's, 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 I think, I believe that's less than Kyler Murray raise and he's, you know, what five six inches taller than Kyler Murray, so that's going to be a question. But like he 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 like as a runner, you guys, I know I know you weren't making this comp for Anthony Richards. Obviously, they're different style runners. But as a runner, he's just he's going to be one of the most athletic and explosive quarterbacks in the NFL as soon as he steps on the field in Week One of twenty twenty four season. Uh, and, well, and to go along with that. It's funny that you said Kyler Murray because that's the kind of runner that I see. But he's so much bigger. Yeah. He's so much taller. I, I don't, he's, he seems way more elusive than Kyler does to me. Like he has, he has, he's got like moves on top Kyler's of moves. like the benchmark of elusiveness. <laughs> I, I, I think he's, oh. I think he's more, I think he might be a more elusive than Kyler. But so like, he's like, Vic, then he's got to be like Michael Vick then. Cause that's <laughs> the next level. I don't know I mean, about more elusive. I, I think, I, I mean, I think your point is he's like Anthony Richardson frame, but runs like Kyler. Right. And I mean, he's well, not, he doesn't have, Richardson, not, I know, but well, well, Kyler's got this kind of like curvy, like this is a Matt Waldman turn curvy Lanier running. Like he, he can make people miss with like kind of subtle moves, but I feel like yeah. Jane Daniels just like 
to flats out jukes the people out of their shoes. Like they're like they're like I, I there's what I can't remember the game now off the top of my head, but there was one play off of the left side where he made one move and the linebacker fell over, and I thought he literally broke his ankles. We say that as like a term for like people that when they make the miss, oh my, they fall down, but it looked like he was hurt when he fell. Um, but the 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 the, the most impressive thing on top of the running is that. Last season as a passer, first in yards per attempt, first in quarterback rating, first in PFS rushing grade, second in PFS passing grade. Uh, the the one bugaboo, if we want to go over to the to the negatives, is the pressure pressure to sack rate. Um, not good, 80th uh, there at twenty point two percent. But man, sixty four percent on target rate on throws twenty one or more yards downfield, which was second in college football last year, and the turnover rate. I mean. Four, four interceptions. It was a four interceptions of 40 touchdowns. Like he is safe with the ball. You see him work through all of his progressions. Like he, he is such a good quarterback. I, I think he's better than Drake May, and I will take him over Drake May in quarterbacks or uh, in uh, rookie drafts this year. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. And yeah. the, the dual threat ability is what's going to cause that. And I think that's going to become a common thought among dynasty players and, and really all of fantasy players because those fantasy points that he's going to get you on the ground are are not easy to make up for from a, a player like Drake May. So I think we can bypass that. That's going to become commonplace at some play, point, even if he's drafted after Drake May, right? The thing that that jumps off when you watch him, not only I mentioned the ability to use his running ability and, and his athleticism to set up the pass, the, the like, the play calls, the, the, the quarterback run plays that are the designed run plays for quarterbacks. He is a boss on these types of plays. He's, he's more like, like Cam Newton or something like that in, in that regard, because he, he, he can, he can like his, his ability to create yardage just continues to move the sticks and it has to drive defensive coordinators crazy, right? It's not the power of Cam Newton or or the that same type ability as Richardson, but he has that same kind of ability to to just get in the head of every defensive player with his legs. And I think that's the thing that took his game to the next level, guys. I, I think he finally understood that that athleticism, along with his ability to make plays outside the pocket on the run with his arm were the, his calling card and the thing that he could rely on. And he almost uses it as a crutch to some extent. There's times where it's clearly a pocket pass where he'll take one or two steps up in the pocket and then make the throw when that wasn't necessary. I think it's a comfort thing. He likes to be on the move when he throws the football and that, that he just oozes and drips upside because of those things, that kind of, that kind of moxie and that savvy and that confidence to make those types of throws that doesn't happen with every player in college football. And, and I loved watching him play. I, I honestly, I think there's a case to be made that he should be, he should be the second ranked player in super flex leagues at I, this point, even over. I mean, I've, I haven't, again, I haven't really dove, I've seen the highlights and everything. I haven't dove in a deep dive on Caleb Williams yet. He must be really incredible uh for for to, for everybody to be so sure that he's ranked ahead of Jaden Daniels this point Jaden Daniels too he has like he's got the touch in the short and quick games that was something that i feel like i did not see or maybe i just need to watch more of drake may but like his like his ability to, to just pop the ball over over the defender head right into the running back's hand on those quick screens on the quick slants just put it in the right position uh the ball placement in the right play the ball in the right place just so that he the the receiver can continue to uh, stride up the field. Um, I mean, I, I do think we need to say that he, I mean, I, you guys tell me if this is correct or not, but he probably has the best set of wide receivers in college football last year. So, oh, you yeah. know, there's a little bit, maybe a little bit of chicken and egg thing there. Um, so we'll have to see I, if he lands in a bad spot, like Bra like Bryce Young did. If he lands in a terrible spot, then maybe there's issues with weapons, but you know, he seems real good. Uh, seems like he played. He receiver. seems real good. You can, you can just leave it. <laughs> you heard it here he first. Seems real good. <laughs> well, I did. I did want to ask you guys about that because a lot of these same things, even though they're very different type of players, a lot of these same things were said about another former LSU quarterback, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, when he came out, mm. he like Daniels was a little, little bit of a late bloomer. Right. And of course, he had Jefferson and Chase uh, th 
to throw the ball to. And there were, there were doubts, questions about did, did this offense, did these receivers really make the quarterback? And I, I think we have seen sense that that's, that's not the case. Although he's got some nice weapons in Cincinnati too. Really less about the wide receivers though. And more about this was his fifth year in college. Uh, It flashed, you know, a lot of what we saw throughout his time at Arizona state and, uh, and last season at LSU as well, but obviously took five years to really put this together. Is that any kind of red flag for you guys in, in your evaluation or, you just kind of view it as the process. I personally I put it as I the number. It. Go ahead, man. Sorry. No, go ahead. I put it as the number one thing on my negative list was fifth year senior senior with, you know, the average production for his first four seasons. But I mean, I, I, I want to look at the final season in general anyway. So yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't have a ton of, a ton of problems with it. Like, I don't, I don't have that many questions about that. If that's what it took to develop, everybody develops at different rates. You know, I think you're going to see people saying, oh, he's out there playing with, you know, 18 year olds and here he is a 15 year old senior or whatever. But that kind of, kind of thing has always been a little bit overblown to me. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have it as my biggest concern. It was listed third for me. So that's, a, that's a core difference, I guess that, the the thing that I saw, Matt, and you can tell me if you saw something different, that really worried me was the ability in the middle of the field to make those timing throws. That that didn't exist, really. Everything was outside the numbers. Um, his deep accuracy is excellent, which apparently was a big negative for him going back a couple of seasons. But down the field throws on the outside the hashes were were his highlight plays. And then you didn't see the deep overs, the digs, the deep crosses, those types of throws or the seam route that, that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily a strength of him at the next level. He's going to have to make that um, part of his game. And I didn't see enough of that. He certainly has the arm um, and the accuracy, like you mentioned in the short to intermediate area. I just don't know if it's coached in him not to use that part of the field at LSU or if maybe that's a weakness that he was staying away from for any reason. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd say it was bad, but maybe more inconsistent. Cause I definitely saw plays on, on a, a few, it's a few slant plays where he hit the ball right on the money and hit the, hit the receiver and stride um, in the shorter I range do, for sure. Yeah. The, the slant, I, the slant, the eight yards, the, the hit at eight yards or something like that. You saw that there was nothing deeper than that though, or very that's little. A good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I also like, I think his progressions, like, I mean, he goes through them all clearly, I think, but there's, there are times where you see him like, like you can't see me on, on the audio, I guess, but, but he's looking back and forth. Like, I don't know how to say frantically, but like, he can't make the decision. And I would really like to see him more like, okay, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. Then take off if he wants to take off or come back for the person. But like the back and forth thing with the eyes, I don't know if he's just looking off receivers, but to me it looks like, I don't want to say panicky or anxiety or whatever, but it seems like not quite, like it could be a little bit more efficient in terms of going through those progressions. Well, that's what brings me to the second concern that I had written down. And that was that he's he's best on first and second read. And the third read throws are are off target uh, regularly. And also that's when he tends to do that step up in the pocket and want to run throwing in the pocket sometimes, which is an odd move. I don't see that very often, but I think he's more comfortable on the move. Honestly, it really does feel like he forces himself to move his feet just to feel more comfortable when he makes that throw. So um, I don't know that he's making three and four uh, progressions on a, in a specific play, he's a one or two. And then he's typically outside the pocket and trying to do something either with his legs or off script with one of his receivers, which tends to work great for him, especially when those receivers turn his back, their back to the line of scrimmage and go downfield. Um, would the sky's the limit for Jaden Daniels. He could be an elite fantasy play. It, it wouldn't be shocking if he's the quarterback one at some point in his career. Uh, the the concerns are enough to to make you think that there's he's certainly not a slam dunk, however, and that there it, there's there's room for him to improve, especially as a passer inside the pocket. Um, he certainly made think, a lot of those strides this year, though. Dan, would you say that 
he doesn't really, I, I don't want to say doesn't ever, but maybe inconsistently steps up into the pocket to make a throw. It often seems like when he does step into the pocket, like he's already decided he's going to take off. Up yeah. The yeah. That's his, that's his go-to move. You know, he wants to step through the pocket, which is a positive really. You'd rather have him do that than step back out, out the back door and then run around. Um, yeah. He's more effective that way. And he makes more plays with his legs that way. And that's why late in the season or in the second half of the season, a lot, I saw him stepping up into the pocket and then almost sliding along the line of scrimmage to, to mm-hmm. give him more time to make those throws. And that started working out for him, which is a good thing. I, you know, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks in the past. Steve Young used to do that. And that was incredible. So um, I, I, like I said, awesome prospect, great, upside but there there are reasons we'll see where where he lands as ryan said earlier seems like it's going to be in the top five no doubt and wouldn't be surprising if it's in the top three let's move on to our next prospect guys it is running back bucky irving from oregon a guy that i am pretty familiar with uh if you didn't know he came from minnesota he was a golden gopher for the first couple years in uh college football and he was impressive there always one of the more explosive backs Shared that back backfield with Mohammed Ibrahim uh, uh, at, at Minnesota uh, the last couple of years, and then transferred to Oregon, where they really unleashed him. Had a thousand yard season and averaged over six yards per carry. Guys, I have loved Bucky Irving for a couple of years, but I didn't realize he was this good of a college prospect. Matt, I already know you're going to love him because he can catch the ball. <laughs> He's super explosive. His explosion at the line of scrimmage is is better than any of the – and I've only watched 9 or 10 or 11 running backs so far. He is my number one fantasy running back in this class right now. Ooh. I finally dug deep okay. on Bucky Irving, and I love – people are going to catch up on him, Matt. He is going to be a top two or three running back in the class. I would not be surprised if he becomes – a first round rookie pick by the time all things are said and done. And that might happen real soon because he's so explosive and he catches the ball so well. I wrote down in my, like below all of my notes section, like a little, like maybe hot takey things. I wrote, what if he goes to San Francisco and becomes the heir apparent to Christian McCaffrey? Well, then we got to wait a couple of years and I don't want to wait <laughs> to see him blast through the line of scrimmage uh, and leave linebackers in the dust. He's, his vision's incredible. He has the he's decisive. He's explosive, and he has the pull away speed. And then he's he's such a good player uh, out of the backfield. He can run routes out of the slot. He's not just a yeah. just a traditional running back. They're going to move whoever gets him is. Good. I want him to be a Green Bay Packer so bad. He is oh, my man. dream. Air Packer, Aaron Jones. Let's do. It. That's where I want him to be. The Air <laughs> No replacement. replacement. Yeah, someday sure. replacement. Jones has got one more year, but uh, <laughs> um, no. But you didn't even mention Dan. You didn't even really mention the the physicality that he runs with. I yeah. Mean, for a back, his. I mean, we're going to get into this again every single year. These small backs, sub two hundred pound backs. Hopefully, Jameer Gibbs uh, did a little bit to 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 fight that off. But he plays with contact balance and. Sp- play strength that he wants to get up in people's faces. He's got a, a, a really nice stiff arm. Uh, and then, you know, all the other things you said, you said already elusive in the open field His the variety of moves he used. He, he, when he's running with the football, sometimes he looks like a wide receiver running routes, the way he uh, changes the, the speed of his feet movement. He uses head and arm fakes to kind of get, get yeah. defenders out of their shoes. Uh, and then that initial like burst and acceleration, like you mentioned, like he's so decisive with that. So uh, I see what you see, Dan. I don't, I, I haven't, again, I haven't watched enough to say he's running back one overall, but I can see it. I mean, just from a pass catching standpoint and uh, everything you can do with him, he's just so versatile. Going back to what you said about his power. So he does something specific to create that pop. He, he like transfers speed into power, right? There's points where defensive end. You, yeah. Like you can see, you can see he decides I'm going too fast for you to tackle me. I'm just going to lower my shoulder and run through you. And those types of plays with what you said, the footwork around the tackle point, especially how he changes his footwork and kind of slides through tackles at times Mm -hmm. that creates that power. Those missed tackles that are going to jump off the page or or jump off the screen for anybody that goes back and watches him. I got so deep into Bucky Irving that I spent three straight lunch breaks. I typically scout over my lunch breaks. That's what I like to do. I can do it with my phone, whatever. I spent three in a row on Bucky Irving. 
And then I started looking, Ryan, at mock drafts. And man, he's I can't believe it. Where why is he sliding? I, I don't get it. I, I must like him more than everybody else. I'm glad Matt agrees, but I knew he would because he catches passes and he's fast. Uh Ryan, what hard. are you seeing on the mock mock draft boards? Well, I mean, the, the the crazy thing about this running back class, and we've already talked about Braylon Allen. We've got this, obviously many more to uh, to go here, but it, it seems like there's a different order on these running backs every day. Whether whether you're looking at dynasty rookie rankings or 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 mock drafts, but none of them are really getting much, you know, much love. I mean, they're all being viewed as basically late second rounders. Uh, through 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 the fourth round, we're talking about Allen, Bucky Irving, guys like Jonathan Brooks and Trey Benson that we'll get to in the yeah. coming weeks. They're all kind of packed in there pretty tightly right now. I could see any of those guys. You could throw Blake Corum in there too. I could see any of those guys ultimately being the RB one from an NFL draft standpoint, uh, and and from a dynasty standpoint uh, as well. I I like uh, I like how aggressive you are though. Dan and in, in ranking Irving, I think you all made some good points. I know you you're better scouts than I am when it when it comes to this stuff, but it just felt like when Irving really uh, you know really got to running, like he he played bigger than he is. You know, I'm, yeah. I mean, and I guess yes. that goes back to some of what you all were talking about as far as breaking tackles and and just some of the skills while running the ball. So that uh, good to. Good to hear that you kind of confirm my my view on him, but yeah, certainly a fun player to watch. Dan, I'm I'm with you. I think he could end up being uh, in that first round range of uh, rookie drafts for sure. And uh, as far as mock drafts, though, yeah, he's he's probably going to be a third rounder at this point, which is uh, is going to be a nice value. A third rounder? Oh my, my goodness! I will have. I hope that happens. In, I guess it would take it would take a fall in the draft for that to happen because I think he's going to run a low four fours, probably well, high four threes would be well third, third rounder in the NFL I, I was, draft is what I'm talking oh, about. Okay. Oh, I thought you oh meant okay. Okay. I was like, okay. dynasty. Yeah. Dan, well, you got, we, we've been a, 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 a very praised. We've given this guy a lot of praise. There's gotta be some negatives that you saw. I saw, I have three kind of small ones, but do you have any? Well, okay. So the, yeah, the, there's one major one, or I wouldn't say major, but, but I would say one that's that crops its head a little bit too often when you're watching him. Actually, there's two that crop up often. He is an awful pass blocker. Very, oh, very bad. Horrible. Absolutely I watched, terrible. I watched a, what's the opposite, high, low light film of, of him trying to pass block. <laughs> so bad. And they were all really, really bad. And it wasn't just four or five. There were like dozens on this. So yeah. that's going to be a problem in the NFL. And that could push him down draft boards. I don't know if that's something that a good coach can teach him as far as, as a runner, um, he does. So for a guy that fast, he doesn't change directions drastically as quickly as you might expect. So he will, he will juke and he will, uh, he will make players miss, but it's not like he changes directions from going straight up the field to parallel with the line of scrimmage in yeah. one step, like we see from truly elite running backs. And that could, that might not be great. Although he can still get the edge because of the speed. He just doesn't, he doesn't change directions as quickly as the truly elite elusive backs that are out there. Yeah. And then I, I don't, I, you said high four threes, low four fours. I, I don't, I feel like I did not see the long speed. I did see him get caught from behind a couple of oh, times okay. uh, out there. So that well, like, I better the, the the initial and a fourth lunch break on him then, if that's the case. The initial pull away a lot. The initial burst of acceleration, I think, is incredible. I just not sure he's you know he's in, he's not going to run those 80, 80 yard touchdowns down, which you know we don't necessarily need from our running backs. Uh, but then pass protection, like you said, and if that's the case, if he if for some reason, I mean, hopefully a team that that feels this way would not draft him, but if he gets, you know, kind of pigeonholed as a change of pace back and he can't pass block, then you kind of can see, you know, the 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 opportunities maybe diminished a little bit. But yes, I want the draft capital. That's the thing I'm watching for Bucky Irving. If he if he yeah, falls way one. down there, um man, that I guess that could mean that just coaches are like he can't pass block, so he can't be on my team. I can't count on him. 
and maybe maybe he overcomes that at some point. But I really want somebody to love Bucky Irving as much as I do and, and use a second round pick on him. That would yep. that would confirm how how I feel about his upside. Uh, I'm glad you liked him as well, Matt. I can't, I can't wait for more dynasty heads to watch him and, and gather some more feelings about him because because I really like his upside. Um, let's go to our final player this week. It's wide receiver Brendan Rice from USC, Matt. What are your feelings about Rice after spending some time watching him? Uh-oh. Uh, man, I wanted to like him a lot better, and I keep seeing things that make me want to like him, but I don't know. I guess we'll start with the positive. You know, pro prototypical size. He's got all of that stuff. He can win at all three levels with that size. You, you see the deep speed. I just think it takes so long for him to get there, but he did have four 60-plus yard receptions last season, and he's physical after the catch. Um, I was surprised by this one, Dan. So I don't know. You guys are probably familiar with Bruce, Bruce Feldman's freak list that he puts out. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Apparently on GPS, Brendan Rice hit 23 miles per hour, which last season in the NFL, Tyreek Hill, his max was 22.01. DK Metcalf was actually the fastest player on that 70-yard touchdown back against Dallas at 22.23 miles per hour. But I did not see that kind of elite speed on film. Uh, unless we're talking about once he's already 50, 60 yards down the field. Yeah, that the deep speed isn't isn't necessarily um, what jumps off to you, for sure. No. What jumped off to me is his hands. He's a ball catcher. He snatches everything. And I love it that he catches everything away from his body, and then he becomes an instant threat after uh, after the catch. He's a pretty big guy, right? He's, he's not what you expect. Yeah, he's not what you necessarily um, expect from from as Jerry Rice's son, right? You, you expect more of that lean, smaller body guy, and and he's not necessarily that. He, he's much bigger than you than you really expect. He doesn't have that agility and the ability to to create separation at the top of no his separate. route that you'd like either. So you have to be willing to catch balls in traffic and you have to be willing to um, only be as effective in against zone coverage. Cause he's pretty good at that. He finds that opening and he, and then he can become that runner with the ball after, after the catch. So for a guy, his size, he's not super physical. And for a guy with that much, that many deep highlight plays, he's not super duper fast. So you got to find the thing that you really want to hang your hat on with Brendan Rice. And I'm not sure I found it just yet. I, I just, there's like, I think he's so slow off of the line. And then to get up to that speed, like you said, he doesn't create much separate route. You said he catches everything with his hands. I saw lots of body catches. And then after the catch, I appreciate the effort of trying to make things happen, but there was some ball security issues there for sure. And then he does, he just, he doesn't look natural when trying to like high point a ball. Like, he jumps yeah, up and catches strength. the ball at his waist. Like, yeah, we got to work on our timing here, Brendan. Uh, so um, I wrote it. I wrote my last note was he doesn't add up to the sum of his parts. He's got all of the physical traits, I think, but uh, he doesn't look like a natural receiver to me. He just doesn't. Yeah. That catch point stuff is a problem. And and you mentioned it. He'll, he'll jump and then catch it at his waist or at his chest, yeah, like, which is jumping? it's awkward looking. Um, if, if there are strengths though, there are a few things that he does well that, that I think will translate to the next level. And and usually we're looking for that separation and the ability to change directions quickly. Those aren't his strength, but it does feel like he has like raw, very strong, raw, natural um, instincts to find openings against zone defenses. Um, and then I love how he changes into a, a runner after the catch and wants to make every play a big play. You mentioned the couple fumbles. He also had one really bad like bobble and drop that they turned yeah. into a drop that wasn't a fumble. I thought he caught it, but they they they, they, they called it a drop. I, I couldn't believe that. He caught it like three times. Um, so that vertical speed is what is what doesn't really exist and what many out there – you know, I, I did the Twitter search. I checked out what people are saying. People are in love with his deep speed. And I just didn't see I'm enough saying. of it watching those four games to be like, yes, that's going to be his calling card at the next level. Ryan, when I when I see mock drafts with his name in the first round, it makes me think twice about how I feel about Brendan Rice. 
Wow. I, I have not seen those. Uh, you haven't. Rice is a first rounder. Yeah, I saw one with Adam at 31 or 32 and one oh. at like 26. NFL or Dynasty? NFL. Oh, NFL, okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of surprised, uh, actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, you look at Mock Draft Database. He's currently the wide receiver 17. PFF has him ranked as the wide receiver 14. Uh, at DLF, we're even lower than that. We have him ranked as our wide receiver 20 and uh, 40 overall in our single quarterback ranking. So, yeah, I think Matt put it really well as far as he, he's he's not the sum of his parts. And, you know, I'm starting to think he's not going to be able to match his dad's career. <laughs> Hilarious. So did you guys have a comp? Matt, was there somebody that he looked a little bit like? God, I don't know. I, I don't I, I, I don't have one off the top of my head. So, so pick a slow, big receiver. Does he Darunya Darunya whatever? Oh man, that's way down there. So the guy I thought of, and it's not a good thing. I I thought of Gabe Davis. That's that's the guy I thought. Dave Davis is. I mean, okay. Gabe Davis seems faster, but I I could see that. That that makes sense. Yeah, um, like Alan Lazard. Gabe. Yeah, Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. Those are the types of players. Lazard makes sense. I think. Yeah, so I, I just don't have – I don't think he has a lead upside. I don't think he'll ever be more than a like a second or a third wide receiver for an NFL team, which doesn't translate to the wide receiver four or five that we'd be even looking for when we're drafting him. So um, he's probably not a guy that I'm going to be targeting. I'm going to do a little bit more work on him because I saw so many tweets of people that love him yeah. that could be just connected to who his father is and, I don't and get it. where he went to college as well. So um, I'm glad we got to talk about Bucky Irving. I'm glad I got to spend yeah. three days watching him because he's awesome. If you haven't watched him, even go find a highlight film of Bucky Irving, because I think you're going to like him too. Unless you're in my league, uh, then don't watch him and let him go. Let him slip to the second round to me. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.